0: Oh, yes, it's that time of the week, folks. I'll tell you what, this might be my favorite show that we have ever done, and I'll tell you shortly. Welcome to Inside Curling with me, Jungle Jim Jerome, and our two World Curling Hall of Famers. They're back at it again. Kevin Martin, fresh back from Picto, Nova Scotia. Sometimes people get down there, Kevin, they get lost. We never get them back, you know. Many things can happen to people when they're there, you know, with the hospitality, But you made it back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, the hospitality is fantastic.
0: Yeah, isn't it, though? Uh, I wanted to buy a house there in about 10 minutes the first time I went there to a briar. And, of course, Warren Hanson joins us each and every week, our other World Curling Hall of Famer. We want to recognize all our sponsors, Jackpot City. You want to lay a bet on some curling? Uh, Don't listen to me. (laughs) I'm not very good, my record. Thank you to Jackpot City, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Coyote Tractors, the sponsor of... Hot Rock Topics, Goldline, who brings you in the house, and Hearing Life, who sponsors What Are You Hearing? Here's what's on the show today. Uh, we've got a guest. I'm going to I'm gonna just leave it as a bit of a surprise for a second. We've got a guest that we're going to talk to shortly. Uh, the Coyote National uh, was completed in uh, Picto. Kevin was there. We're going to get a wrap-up of that. An elite curler died, and uh, Warren is going to take a look at that. He curled with him for seven years. Next big event, the European Championship. Uh, What's going on there? Take a look at the field. What does this event mean? Also, stick curling comes up from time to time. And uh, we heard from the Canadian Stick Curling Association about the creation of some new events. Uh, So we're going to look at that, Hot Rock Topics. We haven't done this in a while, so we're going to look at some emails that you sent, and we're going to read them and talk about them. What are you hearing? Uh, We're hearing the win on Sunday at the Coyote Nationals by a European and an Asian team, okay? No Canadian team. There was a lot of discussion on social media about the world teams being better funded than Canadian teams. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We didn't win, so it must be someone else's fault, okay? So uh, we're going to talk about that. In the house, baby. We've been trying to get this guy for a long time. One of my all-time favorite people. Goldline Curling's Momentum shoes are unbelievably comfortable with a fast, reliable slider and a gripper that will keep you steady on the ice. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. It's Goldline Curling's in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome my all-time favorite, Guy Hemmings. How are you, Guy? Hey, very good. Thank you.
2: Glad to be with you guys.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen you in such a long time. I, uh, you and I have history, man. I'd love telling tell a couple stories about you. Uh, we're so old now, we both have glasses. That was the last time we saw each other. We did a couple of commercials together. When I met you, when, I, when Warren hired me to do the curling and then I ran into you and you were you were like the poster boy for curling. Everybody loved Guy Hemmings. We got to talk about the story, what you did when the lights went out. But my favorite is because Rod Paulson handles all our social media, Gee, and you and I did a commercial. Rod was running the media stuff. We met somewhere in Saskatchewan or Winnipeg and it was right when Winnipeg lost the franchise the city of Winnipeg lost the franchise and it got turfed out and was shut down and Rod was going on endlessly about it because he's from Winnipeg and he, you and I were sitting there listening blankly not saying anything and Rod was almost in tears he was like I was a ticket holder from day one I went to every game I supported every dirty thing with that team and look what happened and then Guy looks up, he goes, well, maybe it was your fault, Rod.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, great to have you on, Guy. Uh, boy, those were, those were great days. Let's catch up with what you're doing. You are certainly involved in curling, more than just involved. Congratulations on the latest slam win. Unji Gem is your team that you've been uh, coaching uh, from Korea. So let's go back to when you stopped kind of curling when you were on the scene. What have you been doing the last 65 years?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the, I thought it was more than that. But, uh, yeah, i still involved with curling quite a bit because I, I do the exactly what TSN does in English with curling. I do it in French with RDS. So I've been doing lots, lots of curling on television. Uh, the only difference, we, we do it for Montreal, but uh, we do lots of lots of game, and I always do, like, three draws a day. We don't have two crews of... Uh, uh, play by play and uh, handle it. so I do uh, all the job uh, with my partner uh, we, have, we have a good time doing it so it keep me busy in the winter I've been teaching a bit uh, over the last few years as well but now I'm kind of partly retired coaching a bit lots of traveling I I like to travel as much as I can my wife enjoys it as much too uh, so uh, I have a I have a good life well, curling's been good for me and I'm still involved with curling quite a bit so I can't complain
0: yeah, you were you were uh, you were a real uh different, you were a real anomaly. Because um, back in those days, you know, the, the that briar was huge, right? When Warren got a cook in there to fourteen, fifteen thousand people, you were in the forefront, you were representing Quebec often. Um, and you know curling curling personalities were really growing. And there were great curlers like Kevin and and I guess it was back in the day of Furby and all that stuff. And yet everyone who came into the patch, they said, where's Guy Heming? <laughs> Right? They always, uh, you were very humble. If I asked Ben Hebert to get on camera, okay, he would walk 5,000 miles to make sure he got there, you know, to get on camera. But I be- remember dealing with you, Guy. You're like, no, 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 I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, people love you, buddy. They love you. They want to see you. And you're like, well, that's good. I'll take that. But uh, you always remained very humble, Gee, through all those years of curling and uh, um, I, I thought it was exceptional that that you were like that. Talk about those days in the, those when you were curling at a top level.
2: Well, there was great days, obviously, but uh, I guess I was I was humbled because I came from a province where curling is not as popular as it is in the rest of the country, and you know? also uh, we. We were not. We're used to play mostly for ourselves, for our family and friends, not expecting the big crowd, the big reaction. Obviously, it was a big change going to Winnipeg, 1998. My first briar there. It was suddenly really a turning point in my, in my vision, my own vision of curling. You know, for me it was just a sport that you play with friends. Suddenly you. Few few weeks later, you're playing in front of twelve thousand people or ten thousand people, uh, and everybody is the sport. You no, know, like I I often say that the people understand understand the game more than myself on the ice. So the, <laughs> the reaction, the reaction of the crowds and they always uh, applause at the right time, boo at the right time, or they obviously understand the game very, very much. It was it was a, a, a life changing for me, especially as my as my curling is concerned, and I was blessed with lots of fan support, as you mentioned. No uh, all those years that followed nineteen ninety eight I uh, was uh, always a uh surrounded by a bunch of uh, curling fans and uh, I re- appreciate every moment uh, of it obviously and uh, I tried to give it back you know that was something that was important mm-hmm. for me and I was probably one of the curlers who exchanged most the most with the the crowd like during, even sometimes during the game right. but that was my way that was my way to having fun like for me curling never been uh, a job or anything else wasn't and I, I never expect at that time to be able to make a living out of curling, so it was just fun, pure fun, and and playing on the ice in front of uh, twelve thousand people, and and you hear every reaction of a crowd, every comment, comment there, you could hear them, especially in the playoff. and it's so it's so nice to be able to interact with the, with the fan. It was a was a great treat. Before we let Kevin
0: and Warren and uh, Guy to talk about your coaching days and your and your fantastic team. Obviously, you're doing a hell of a job. Um, I think one of the, my favorites out of the two were uh when you did a walkout one time with your team, you know, the parade out onto the ice. And uh I I think you were out of the playoffs in the round robin and you came out wearing Randy Furby's jacket, I think. Did you you had your team instead of your Quebec jacket. You had either Randy or Kevin's Kevin's jacket on. And I said this guy's absolutely brilliant and uh what was the other story, Gee? When the lights went out and then they came back on, there was a power
2: failure. Wow. Well, there wasn't in, the, in the final. We're losing. We're losing to all the time and power failure so just a, was a great opportunity to have fun just faking changing the score but I have many good <laughs> I have many good stories like I said earlier I had I had good time on the ice and I don't know I, I think I think I have a good sense of humor so they always all those stupid stuff always pop in my mind I don't have to force it they just pop in my mind all the time and uh, right uh, and it always been fun, like the, the ones changing the score. One of my favorite was probably during the Briar in Ottawa. I don't know if you were there or not. I came out; at, a sign came fall from from the roof at one point, and we were the 15th break. I came out of the hockey room with a hockey helmet on, and then <laughs> finished the game with a hockey. <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that oh there was a hockey helmet there so what else could i do that put it in my head and go back on the ice with a helmet on so, those kind of stuff but like i say just just to review resume, resume it it was just pure fun for me and uh to be able to exchange with the fan and and the crowd reaction was always behind my back so it was easy to 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 have fun obviously
0: yeah whether whether you know it or not guy. uh I'm serious when I say this, you obviously had a lot to do with growing the game because it developed so much interest and you were a personality. So congratulations anyway, on all that. You've done a wonderful thing for the sport. So. Thank you. I'll flip it over to Kevin. Yeah, You're welcome. Kevin.
1: Well, I have to tell a story too. Gee, I think you remember this. We were playing against each other in a playoff and I do not know where, but you'll probably remember you have a better memory than me. And it was down east and you and I are going on the ice and we're going to you know, play our game and and we go to slide down to the other end together to start the game, but your slider doesn't slide. So I said, well, gee, show me your slider. You showed me the bottom of your shoe. There was no slider. I said, Guy, where in the hell is your slider? And well, I, I don't know. So we, <laughs> we went and looked. And it was stuck in your gripper. <laughs> that was a classic. You were with uh, Don Westfall, I think, was on your team,
2: maybe. Oh. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I don't remember it, but I'm not surprised.
1: <laughs> I remember it. I was laughing like crazy. You had to borrow somebody else's shoe to play me in the, I don't know what the hell was, I think a semifinal someplace or something. But anyway, anyway, let's get into your coaching. Uh, yeah, you. We could tell some stories, boy, uh, but a lot of them we can't tell. Uh, anyway. When it comes to Team Gim, uh, congratulations also on, on on winning last week with the, that fantastic team. One of my favorite curlers for the last four or five years is Minji Kim. She skipped by herself and then now came on with her uh Gim. I'd like to hear your thoughts on on what she brings to the team because I, I'm a big uh, Minji Kim fan.
2: Yeah, I, I am too. Like uh, I was a fan even though... Uh, the first time I, I worked with that team four years ago, she was, she was part of the opposition. So I, I liked her, but not that much at the time, you know, because she was so talented. <laughs> and, uh, and to me, she, she's kind of a old curler, you know, like the curler that could change the game. Like to, and just to, to compare, maybe, uh, people won't be agree with me, but to me, I always see her as talented uh, as, uh, as many curlers in Canada at Rachel oman, for example she she can make as many shots as Rachel Oman and Rachel changed the game a bit over the last ten years, and I think Minji Kim could do the same thing. That's what I taught four years ago. Now she's part of our team, so it's just a treat to watch her make shot over and over like shes she's probably the most steady, more regular curler that I had a chance to 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 curl with against or coach uh, in my curling career.
1: So you mentioned um, in the interview during the uh, final, when uh, or maybe right before the final, that one of your main jobs is helping the team strategically. I'd like to get into that a little bit. Exactly what? See, well, you and I, gee, when we grew grew up as kids, or at least you know, if, if you're, you're you're around the curling club as a young person, you sort of bring in a bunch of knowledge and information by osmosis. <laughs> it's just kind of you hear it and you and you figure all this stuff out. But but teams were... Curling is new in in the country. Like Team Gim, they don't have that opportunity where they just soak in that knowledge as, as a young kid. So I guess how do you, I guess how do you get that across? Because obviously it's working. You've done a very good job, but I guess what's what's your approach?
2: Yeah, you're right. Like we talk about it before the game a bit. You no, know, that I see it as one of my biggest challenge to help her understand the situation. No, I think she. One of her greatest skills, she can not read high is very, very good. So that's not an issue. I think she she can call a lot of shot very well. It's just uh, just evaluating the situation that sometimes she she still have uh, some issue and she need to to work. And she did a very good job so far this year managing those situations. Just to, to make a long story short, like us curlers, we we are, we see a situation and we try to evaluate with or without armor, is it is it a scoring opportunity, is it a, without armor, is it a chance to steal, or is it something that I need to bail out, or is it something I need to to be aggressive? And all those all those little details are that's something that are very mathematical. It's not something that you could say, okay, if this situation you bail out this situation you go in, you go all in and this stuff. It's just more a feeling and uh, like you said because she probably didn't watch as much curling as uh, talk as much curling as we do here in Canada we're spoiled here in Canada just to watch curling on television through the grand slam or the the national event we have a chance to see tons of curling so a young a young curler could watch and watch the best curler the best mind of curling and 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 develop that kind of a feeling or ability to recognize the situation where it is more difficult for them in their country, where before ni- 2018, before the Olympic, the silver medal from Korean team, nobody knew much about curling over there. So uh, obviously, this is something that she has to work on. But she's doing. She's a great learner. She's a great student, and she she's eager to learn. So that's that's a great good for her.
1: Yeah. Before I let Warren in, one more question, and that's to, just segues nicely. I wanted to ask about uh, Korean curling and the growth because in Japan there's a lot of new buildings going up new facilities um, and and a big growth of curling what's it like in in, uh, in South Korea
2: well obviously the, the the biggest point was like I just mentioned a few, a few minutes ago the the Olympic in 2018 where they were able to uh, with uh, Kim uh, able to win a silver medal there was a big a big spike in the in the interest of uh, of curling in in a in a country where curling was not such a big sport. It's been on a steady rise since then. Maybe not as obviously not as uh, not as high as two thousand and eighteen, but. We, uh, we certainly hope that this, uh, this win by, uh, to quarantine at, uh, at the Grand Slam event, you know, will certainly reboost or help a bit to this growth, uh, make it a bit bigger. It's, it's a, it's a country that only have four curling facilities. So it had rooms for improvement. You know, you have room to interest more people into it. And, uh, and I think uh, the Grand Slam, for example, now is being watched more and more and, and, and the youth, uh, the young people are in Korea where, now we're able to watch uh, Korean team to, to, to win a major event like this. So we hope it's going to be able to uh, help uh, the growth of curling and the interest of young people. And obviously, obviously, interest uh, the, the the sponsor as well. You know? Because uh, right now in Korea, most of the money comes from the municipal founding or the, the Olympic Committee. And uh, they don't have the... They don't have the big tradition of a sponsor as we have here in in, in Canada or Western countries. So hopefully with this uh, event, they're going to be able to attract more major sponsors to be able to, like you said, like uh, every sport or every thing they try to organize or make it bigger It's always need money and then money often comes from sponsors.
3: You
1: bet. Hey, thanks a lot, Guy. Uh, Warren, go ahead.
3: Yeah, thanks for joining us, Gee, And uh, congratulations on your team's win. So, how did you get involved with this team and how much time do you spend with them?
2: i got get involved, I guess, four years ago, like uh, when they became the, the national team for the first time. Like, I was kind of an interesting story because I was uh, hiking somewhere in Georgia, like uh, Georgia, like uh, the east in, in the Caucasian mountain uh, in near, the, near Russia, <laughs> I was the middle of the mountain. I got an email. From the Curling Federation, Korean Curling Federation, if I'd be if asking me if I'd be willing to to coach Team Korea the next uh, next winter, so. First of all I thought it was a joke or something because I had no <laughs> I had no contact before or <laughs> somebody's pulling my leg or something. So I didn't I didn't care much, but they, they came back a few days later and they, uh, started start to get a bit more serious and they and they say the their actual coach, like uh, Dong Ho Shin, we still with them, you know. Uh, now that they have the money to hire a foreign coach, they, they could they could I uh, have uh, the, the founding to be able to hire someone else. Uh, they said that he wants to work with me and they asked me, the producer called me and asked me if i would write to me, asked me if I would be interested to do it. And that's how it started. So I worked for them the full year, four years ago. That was the year of the COVID. They were able to qualify to go to the World Championship, but uh, a couple of days before, we were sitting on a plane going to uh, to the Championship when it was cancelled. like uh, Obviously, it was a big deception from them. Over the last two, three years, I work in and out with them. Mostly, stay in contact. Last year, at the end of the season, I was at a couple of Grand Slam with them because my, my schedule was uh, allowing me to go with them a bit more than the season. And lucky for for them, and uh, interesting for me, they won the, the championship back in June. That's when they played their championship in June, so they became national team again. So they called me, they called me again to 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 get on board one more time.
3: So how did they get so good what's their work ethic what's what's been the key to their success be in a short period of time to become one of the best teams in the world
2: coaching <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, obviously don't go does a good job doing that <laughs> no I think they're, they're they' get, they got they got one thing that goes for them they're very disciplined they they, they, they practice a lot you no know, it's a bit different like here don' on a those guys are kind of a professional curlers if you want they, they have more time to spend on the ice they don't have to go back to go to back back to work excuse me on, on Monday that that's what they're doing they play curling so but even though they they, they get paid to do it they do it on a regular basis they, they, they're not lazy they're, they're they' they want to learn they're, they're, they never refuse to, to throw rocks and uh, uh, often they would practice twice a day for four hours like uh, two hours in the morning two hours in the afternoon, spend time on the ice, working on their game, and uh, and they're willing to learn that, uh, and they got the drive to to win, to win and uh, learn the new aspect that they're not super hundred percent confident about it, and and they're willing to to learn that aspect make them really good curlers. that uh, I think curling is 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 a great sport. Uh, and it's changing a lot over the last few years. Uh, we see uh, the, the the percentage of success of every shot now is getting higher and higher. Obviously, the highest condition, they equipment everything is better, but the athletes are also better. But I still believe, uh, maybe uh, I don't want to offend anybody, but I I still believe that if you're willing to put the effort into it, uh, the dedication, the determination, and, and, and give me four young, talented uh, players and... Willing to spend some time on the ice, and they're gonna become a very good team. Like uh, curling allows that, still allows that. Maybe, maybe twenty-five years from now, we all need to be—we all need to be like six foot four or six foot eight to be the best curler in the world. But it's not the case still. No, we still—if you're willing to work hard, willing to to make the effort and work with uh, with coaches or any kind of a tool that makes you better, you have a good chance to become a good team.
3: So what do you think is happening here in Canada? This last weekend, there were 16 teams into the final, eight men, eight women, only four Canadian teams, and particularly in the men's side, only one out of eight. What do you think is going on here in Canada? What's Canada have to do to stay competitive, in your opinion? You don't want to touch that one, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coaching, uh, coaching. I'd,
2: ra- I'd, rather ta- I'd rather talk about about Korea, what's happening in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously, like anybody else uh, who's got involved with curling or been watching curling, and every curling fan do as well have an opinion on what's, what's going on in Canada. I do have my opinion, but it uh, uh, might be not the, the right place to express <laughs> You're it. You're not going to tell us, <laughs> are you? Uh, well, uh, do we have a couple of hours to talk about it? But, uh <laughs> I think it. I think it's just a combination of many factors, many factor that that bring us to that situation that we are in now. You know, and uh, and I think it's gonna take. Unfortunately, I think it's gonna take a few years to be able to reverse that situation. I don't think Canada is lacking. A uh, talent, no, but uh, they, they have to change some stuff, and either through the association or or to the player themselves, they got to change some some aspect of the game to be able to be competitive. It's easy to say, uh, "Oh, yeah, those guys have more money," and which is which is the case. Uh, the some like I just mentioned, my team is kind of a prof- professional curler. That's what they do. You know, they don't have to worry about working on Monday morning or stuff like this. But it's not the only reason. You should not just point in one one situation and say, okay, did because they got money. That's that's why we they beat us. It's not the case. No, there's many other aspects that need to be addressed
3: as well. Well, we got the answer, Jim.
2: We didn't quite get the answer, but we'll
0: uh, we'll save it for another. <laughs> I got lots of friends in Canada. I got to, yeah, yeah, to be yeah. careful with that. We don't want to throw Gee under the bus. Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. may limit his options to coach. <laughs> well, we'll never see Gee Hemming's coaching in Canada. Good luck in Korea, um, Gee. <laughs> what 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 um, you know as a coach? Um, like everything in curling, over the last. 20 or 25 years since since you've been involved at a, at a high level, maybe longer. You know, coaching wasn't as prevalent as as it is now. I, I, you know, as Kevin mentioned, most of the stuff you just figured out on your own. Uh, coaching was, I don't even know if it was around back then or how much of it was. Today it's big. What's the key, Guy, to, to coaching curling? And how do you do it? And what's, what are your strengths in it that you bring to it? And uh, do you find it difficult or, or is it? easy to do or explain some of that to us
2: yeah uh, for me the biggest challenge obviously uh, and it's not related to curling really it's, it's the communication problem you know i don't i don't speak korean and and a couple of my girls are start to speak english a bit but uh, they're not very, are far from being fluid about it so uh, the communication sometimes is, is is a big is a big not problem, but a difficulty that we have to to have to work with. I think what I, what I bring to the team is just uh, obviously uh, I'm not a nervous guy, so I'm able to help them like uh, assess the different situation and try to look, bring it bring it to a level where it's not the end of the world. If we win a game, if we lose a game, if we miss a shot, if we make a shot, like uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, that was a humble guy, but uh, that was my way of of playing as well. So, I. Uh, Sometimes you make good shots. Sometimes you win games that you don't deserve to win. Sometimes you lose games that you deserve to win. And, and bring all this aspect to the game and talk about it all the time. And I think that's something I could bring to a team and evaluate the situation and uh, and, and stuff like this. So if if I could say so if I can speak Korean, that'd be much easier. Yeah,
0: okay, what what's curling like in Quebec these days? You know the the hotspots b for many years. You know have been Alberta, Manitoba you know Ontario Saskatchewan uh and 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 Quebec was sort of the 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 small guy at the time uh and what what's it like now how's how is curling growing in Quebec
2: yeah, no, not as much as we'd like to, obviously. One uh, thing that we're doing very good, I think the sport is getting is, is more interest. Like, a, just for example, I work with RDS, I told you before, uh, the, the French version of TSN, if you want. We cover curling and we start that uh, 12, 15 years ago. Now we used to do like maybe 20, 25 games a year. Now we're doing all the games, so often over 100 games a year. And the uh, the numbers are getting higher every year, so the ratings are getting better. So it means that there's an interest. Like a, it used to be, used to be seen like a sport for for old men, for many people. Now I think lots of people appreciate the sport. The ratings are there. Now we have to find a way to bring those people to the curling club and and, and, and try the game by itself. We we. As far as Curling Quebec is, we're about... I'm not in, involved with Curling Quebec, but I could see the situation. We're always involved with the same number of curling clubs. We don't lose anymore. We had a big difficulty uh, at the beginning of the 80s. I don't know, many clubs were closing down. Now, it's, it's a bit more stable. We have a couple of new ones once in a while, but we don't lose as many as as, uh, as before. we about say same numbers of Curling across different Curling Club, but we could do so much better. Like we got to find a way to interest the the, the young, the young French Canadian, the young people from Quebec to to play curling a bit more. That uh, that's one aspect of the the one part of the population we have trouble to to get into the curling club.
0: Which makes it even more amazing when you say Korea only has four facilities, right? And they're and they and they're winning. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Tell me this, Guy, the, the our, our shows, uh, we, we've been doing these shows now for a couple of years, and uh, always, always one of the hot button topics is the game itself, changes to the game, eight ends to ten ends. This past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of people weighing in about tiebreakers or draw to the button, uh, tick rules, and, and all sorts of stuff. Does anything jump to mind, Gee, with you now saying, this is what needs to change with the game of curling?
2: Well, um, it's, we all have an opinion about it. But personally, one of the things that we have to change because sometimes they, they make rules or they make change to make the game faster. We don't understand because the television and, and we have to we have to make a show a bit shorter. Like we, we're not the only one. Look what happened in baseball this year and many sports. We try to make it more convenient for television, more convenient for the, for the fan watching on TV. And and some rules, like you talk about tiebreakers, something like are are sometimes meant to be. To facilitate a bit this, this this I do understand, but I think for me like one simple move which I don't understand why they didn't make it yet is just bring the game to hate hate hands. You no, know, yeah, I think you could solve a lot of problems. You know, we just play a grand slam, which is a fantastic event, and we we're gonna play another one in a couple of weeks. And nobody talk about uh, oh, it would be much more interesting to play ten hands. So I, I don't understand why they cannot make that switch and 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 save the. Uh, no, An extra half hour to make sure we don't have uh, rules like shootout to win a game, for example. I'm not a big fan of shootout to uh, to replace tiebreaker, but certainly like we did, for example, in uh, in the point uh, point bet. As, as a trial to, to play instead of playing an extra end playing a shootout, this is this is you will never get my vote on that one. I don't think that's something that would curling. And if we're going this way because we want to save some times so or we'll make the, the the game a bit shorter to fit on the television like uh, requirement, but make it hate games and make sure we uh, play an extra end when we need one. That, that's one aspect where I' I don't like to see it too often like when they change the rules so much, and do you want to keep their their ten hand games absolutely? That's one aspect I have a bit of trouble with.
0: All right. Before I let you go, Gee, I was going to heard you say because uh, I want to ask you what you're doing when you're not curling. And you said you got an email when you were in the middle of Russia up in the mountains. And I thought, boy, that's a bad travel agent there. Uh, <laughs> what, what 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 takes up your time when you're not curling these days?
2: Well, I I like to travel. My wife liked to travel a lot and uh but when I quit curling not quit, but I stopped playing competitively, uh, curling, you no, know, I realize there's something else you could do in life. Uh, for so many years all you do is finding a time to curl and within, between uh work and stuff like this. When I stopped playing competitively I start I start hiking, hiking, long distance hiking. Oh, that, wow. that's what I like and uh Uh, I think the first thing the first one I did like uh, in 2010 I think was uh, I did the Famous Compostel, uh, Chemin de Compostel oh. in Spain. And so I did that, and but now I now I go higher in the mountain. Like uh, when you start, you start on flat, on flat ground. But the more you do it, the more the higher you go. So, uh, uh, for example, last last year we spent six months in South America in the Andes with my wife, with backpack, and uh, went to up to six thousand meters and, uh, and stuff Holy like this. So the, God. that's what. Bro. That's what we like to do, yeah.
0: Well, you're not staying idle, man. Um, Guy Hemmings, uh, thanks a million, Gee. Uh, it's, it's really good to see you. Really good to talk to you. It's been such a long time, and congratulations on uh, a great coaching career. It's it's, it's going to get revved up. Everyone's looking at Korea now. You're going to have lots of pressure to keep, to keep winning.
2: Yeah, you cannot coach uh, without a good team, and I think this this team is just just really good. So I don't I don't I don't deserve lots of credit. I'm just there at the right time. Oh,
0: I'm sure you do. Uh, take it easy, Gee. Good to have you, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Guy. Thank
2: you. Hey, thank you, Guy. Pleasure.
0: What's happening around the curling world is brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City Casino Games. Perfectly made for you. Kaido National wrapped up last Sunday in Pictou, Nova Scotia. We just heard from our winning coach, Guy Hemmings. Uh, Kev, you were there. Uh, Korea, the winning team on the women's side. Italy won the men's side. Mm, okay, everyone's panicking. Uh, tell us about the final day and uh, what you thought, Kev. By the way, Kevin, no team from U.S., Sweden, Canada, Scotland, or Switzerland. Yeah,
1: yeah, Nicodine in the final. He's starting to play really well, um, but he had a bit of a wrist issue going on, a nerve issue, but played really, really good. It's just Retornas and company, man, are they powerful. Yeah, uh, They're just such good sweepers. Um, uh, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for quite a while, I think. Joel is really turned into a, a fantastic player, both hitting and drawing and soft touch but but in the middle sebastiano and uh, and amos were well, they're, they're they're fantastic so uh, anyway it was a it was a good men's final uh stealing stealing two to start uh put a fear into retornas we thought wow okay maybe nick can uh, can get through this and then uh, Team Retornas goes, gets a deuce back in three, steals four, steals five, steals two and six. And then that was kind of it. So uh, just kind of overpowered, which is hard to say, isn't it? It's hard to say that somebody overpowered Team Adine, but they did. In the women's final, fantastic final. Rachel Holman really on her game. Team Gim really on their game. So both teams curling fantastic. And it came right down to last rock. And Rachel is playing an outturned tap through a hole. And she just rubbed the guard. If she gets by the guard and taps Gim's rock back, say, six inches and just rolls a few inches, I I don't think there's a shot. I think the game is over. Rachel wins. But she ticked the guard ever so slightly and then Gim won. So you can't ask for anything more than that. Um, Both games were fantastic. The crowd was unreal all the weekend. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. um, Standing room only tickets were sold. So it was over full. The Opry Curl lounge, the party place was off the hinges the entire weekend. So just hats off to Pictou County and and all the volunteers. The food service was incredible both for the crew like us, but for everybody. The food was off the charts everywhere. So they just did a heck of a good job in in Pictou County. So congratulations to them. And congratulations of course to Team Retornas winning two slams in a row and Team Gim, first Korean curling
0: team to win a Grand Slam. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to see. Great endorsement, Kevin, and what a weekend. Hey, Warren, are we? Uh, is it a little suspect here? We don't hear as much from Adine and Mowat? Remember last year, that's all it was.
3: Adine certainly was was right there. I mean, he was in the final, so he wasn't far off the mark. Mowat, again, I didn't have a chance to watch them much this past week, but Again, they're not far off the mark. I mean, I think they've they've got a few issues right now that they've got to all iron out. But uh, you know, I look at the whole competition and how things have changed. I look at particular Rotano and Mawet as to four players who throw the rock almost identical, and everyone has a similar re- release. They're they're like precision. And uh, if I look at the North American teams, you know, I don't see the same f- with all four players throwing the way these guys do. So. It's, it's an interesting thing that's taking place and I think uh, we'll see how Canada, US teams adjust to what's happening with these Europeans and Asian teams as, as far as how good they're getting. And I look at the brushing as well. I look at that Italian team. My God, if I was uh, a young skip coming out today, I'd be out there looking for a sweeper that was built like Mosh Masoner uh, because that guy is, uh, he's, he's just, he's unbelievable. He's, he's so powerful. But uh, just uh, really everything, the game has picked up so much here in the last year or so, and it's really entertaining, and I I find it pretty exciting. I'd also like to take a hats off to Brad Gushu, because going into this slam this past week, he had qualified 27 consecutive, consecutive times. But last week, he didn't quite make it. He missed it by about a half an inch. But some of the things he accomplished in those 27 consecutive times, five championship titles... 10 finals, and 21 semifinals. Wow. So that's a pretty phenomenal run.
0: Um, Warren, I want to ask you before we leave this, uh, interesting that Guy Hemmings, you know, brings up Korea, the success of Korea. We've got sort of through the show here some talk about are we losing our grip here, uh, Canada, on being on the podium all the time. He's coaching a country that that only has four clubs, and we're always preaching, we need more clubs. There's more clubs shutting down than there is opening and... And the other one he did mention uh that's funny but and you brought it up too that are we going to see sweepers now who are 64 that guys are going to look at front ends and and uh you know sweepers saying you know what get the guys the strongest the biggest and and maybe the tallest
3: Well I mean all those things are changing but I I think you know we asked Gee what he thought about Canada and he didn't really give us an answer <laughs> We're not going to get into it today except I will say I, I think Canada has to Really take a hard look at everything that they're doing, and kind of maybe turn things upside down and shake them a bit as far as how we approach things going forward. Uh, Canada certainly has the talent in this country. I think it's just a matter of how it's managed and dealt with going forward. And and I'll kind of leave it at that.
0: Okay, we're we're going to talk more about Warren. You're still on. Ron Anton was a guy you curled with uh, Warren for seven years, and he passed away this week.
3: Yes, yeah, sad, sad news uh, for the curling world. Sad news for me. I mean, Ron was a uh, a good friend for 50 years, a teammate. Uh, Ron was uh, an interesting man. Um, we go back to the 60s and Hector Gervais was forming a new team and he'd seen Anton play in a in a bond spiel when he was 14, 15 years old and somehow was impressed with him. So he was forming a new team in the summer of 1960 and tracked him down. At that time, Anton was only 18 years old and uh, he recruited him to play with him into the Briar Playdowns in 1961. At that time, there was no restriction on the age as there is now. Juniors could play at the Briar level. And uh, so he recruited Ron to play with him. And lo and behold, they went through and won the Briar in 1961. Ron was 19 years old. He became the youngest player to ever win the Briar and still is today. So he continued to play with Hector throughout the middle 60s. Ron gave up curling to some degree around 67, 68 for a couple of years, skipping his own team. I started playing with him in 1969, and, and I played third. He skipped. We did that for a few years, and uh, we then decided to go back with Gervais in 1972 with Hector Skepping and Ron third, and me playing second. And, of course, we were able to win the Briar in 19, uh, 1974 with that order for his, uh, his second win. But there was a bunch of unique things about Ron. He was very involved with the technical aspects of the game. Uh, back when we were developing the Curl Canada program back in the mid-'70s, he was a key guy in, involved with it all and uh, was always uh, a technician with regard to the sports. I'm talking to Bernie Sparks here a couple of days ago, and he said, you know, Ron Anton threw the rock as cleanest as anyone he ever had watched throw a stone, and uh, and he did. So he's a loss to the curling world. Uh, he was a friend of mine. I talked to him quite often, and uh, I'm going to miss him.
0: The next big event is the European Championships starting uh, November eighteenth. So why do they have this, Warren? And what are the teams that are involved?
3: Well, the European Championships go back a long ways, and this is kind of a, another issue. It's kind of like the Briar in Canada as far as what this event actually does. So back when the World Championship was very new in the uh, in the sixties and seventies. The event was 10 teams uh, from 1974 on, and eight of those teams always came from the European Championship. The USA and Canada were the other two, so there were your 10 teams. But as the curling world has grown over the last uh, 30, 40 years, we now have 73 countries in the world. Uh, The European Championship still provides eight of those teams going to the World Championship, um, and the other five we know comes from the Pan-Continental. It was run a couple of weeks ago. I guess we won't get into today whether or not this is the best approach, but I, I think, again, we've talked about before, we, we've evolved to the point where we need a B division world championship so that all those teams that are at that level, both from the European and the Pancontinental, to can come together and play in a, in a championship. But on the current structure, uh, that doesn't exist. Anyway, the countries that are primarily going to be in this event, on the men's side, Finland, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Norway, Scotland, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, and Czechia, um, certainly I would have to think five of those countries, Italy, Norway, Scotland, Sweden, Switzerland, are probably going to be in, so the other three spots are up for grab. And the women's side, Czechia, Denmark, Estonia, Germany, Italy, Norway, Scotland, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey, same thing there. I think five of those countries are probably pretty much assured of being in, and the other three are up for grabs. So that's going to start next uh, weekend and goes on for a week. They also play a B division championship at the Europeans at the same time. Uh, the Europeans take place in Aberdeen. The B event will take place in Perth. So, Kevin, what do you think of the Europeans and this whole situation?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, a lot of the players, uh, they love it. They love doing it, um, which is great. I talked to a lot of the European players before the Europeans. They look forward to it. It's a shame this year that the A and the B, aren't together, I know that's you know that, that would be a ton of fun, but obviously the buildings just aren't big enough to be able to house all of them all at one time. But that's too bad. But otherwise, uh, Warren, it's a great championship. It's, it's grown into something that's really good. Obviously, they'll be happy to get back into arena again, though they're in curling clubs this year. And you know, they'll be looking forward to getting back into arena play again in the next year or two.
0: Right on. Randy Olson is with the Canadian Stick Curling Association. Warren, you talk to him. Uh, there's an update on some events.
3: Yeah, Randy sent me a note, and I just want to uh, bring it up because uh, stick curling is growing. He indicated to me that Manitoba and Alberta have each kind of started a stick curling tour, and Manitoba is going to have 11 events. Alberta's going to have six. There's going to be 24 teams in each one of these events. Uh, it's two-person stick. He also wanted to remind me that this will be the 20th year anniversary, the Canadian Stick Championships will be held in Toronto, April 17th to 21st at the Leaside Club. So it sounds like stick curling is uh, alive and well. Here I come, Warren. It's designed for you, Jim.
0: How the heck do you rotate a rock with a stick?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, that's, that's a good thing you ask. So quite a few people when they come to the store to buy the stick for the first time, luckily we have ice right beside the store and we'll go out on the ice and actually I'll show them how to, how to release it because it is, well, once you get onto it, it's easy, but it's not really easy to start with. So it is kind of a, a unique movement, but what a great thing. You know, the invention of the stick, so terrific to keep people in the game. I remember dad coming to the store. He was kind of shy, kind of embarrassed to, to come in and have to get a stick. <laughs> and he said, geez, kid, you know, I, he, could still, he could still get down. He could still slide, but he couldn't get up. So, you know, he'd crawl over to the boards right. and then kind of <laughs> climb his way up. Finally got tired of doing that. Need a, you need awesome. a, a rope position just right around the hog line so you can climb up the rope. But anyway, but it kept dad, yeah, it kept dad curling for a long, long time. So what the heck? I, I think it's wonderful. And the, yeah, keep keep the stick grow, growing more and more and more. Love it.
0: There we go. There's a, there's a ton for everyone to chew on. A lot of baggage. That's what's happening around the curling world. Uh, On to Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, So we're going to look at some emails. First, we have one from Mark Finley. Thanks for taking the time to read my email. I had a suggestion regarding the draw to the button for sudden death. What if each team had two throws by two different people? Both turns have to be thrown. Then it's the closest uh, stone out of the four who wins. I dread the day when it comes down to the last shot and the stone picks. We all dread that. I don't know if this is the best idea, but I thought it was worth throwing out there, excuse the pun, to create the discussion. Kev, what are your thoughts on Mark's email?
1: Well, you don't really want to see games be decided by a draw of the button either. I'm not a big, big uh, uh, fan of that. I'd like, I'd love to see an extra end. But if there's a format and uh, and they want to do it that way, Um, that does alleviate the pick problem. We used to do it in the skins game. You have to draw the button for the win. And it was pretty exciting. You know, you'd have to be awfully close to the button to, to be able to win. And, and, uh, you know, we did it lots over the years against some of the best teams, um, we'd have to draw the button. It was pretty fun. So, you know, from a crowd point of view and a fan point of view, I think you you just one shot, one shot deal close to the pin wins. And if you have a pick, well,
3: clean the rock better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Warren, what do you say? Give us your quick thoughts on this.
3: I'm pretty much in agreement. When you start getting into multiple throws, it gets very complicated. And by the time you know it, you're going to be taking more time than it does to play an extra end. So if you're going to do that, you're going to eat up time and you're creating more confusion. So I think if you're going to have that type of a, a situation happening to determine something make it one shot for everything. And I and I know the pick issue is there, but you know what? If you take a look back at uh, most of the games between these top teams, for the most part, it ends in being a draw to the button for the most part. And again, the same thing could happen there. It could pick just as, as easy as the uh, draw shot to the button can. So I think if it's going to be done, it needs to be done as quickly as possible.
0: All right, let's uh, whip along. Good, I'm a good host, Day eh, Warren? Just see the way I keep it moving? Boom, 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 boom.
3: Jim, you are absolutely it's marvelous. Cool. I've told you that many okay, times. Okay, yeah. Uh,
0: What's the next topic? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of this stuff's just for me, Kev, to laugh. Uh, (laughs) We got another email. Thank you, you, Mark, for his. This comes from Larry Wannan. Curling is much more exciting on television than watching it live. From my living room seat, I'm privy to the strategies being employed, can see the rocks curl, and marvel at how tight some of the shots are, and generally feel part of what is sometimes very exciting action. In person, all of this is mostly missing. I can't hear what's being discussed, only get to view the action back and forth in front of me and seldom feel part of the action. Regrettably, I can offer no suggestions as to how to make the live game, as exciting as the televised virgin, uh, version. Version uh, That comes from Larry. Well, Kev, you just said it was crazy cool to be there all weekend. Yeah, well, you know what? It's, uh, there's lots of sports. You know, we
1: went down to uh, to Buffalo when uh, right before the Niagara slam and I love watching football on television, but Mm -hmm. there's something cool about being part of a part of the action, being in the building and, and, uh, and the tailgate party, of course. And so now let's move it forward to Pictou County. Well, the Opry Curling Lounge. Oh my goodness! It was so busy, and the curlers were in there a lot because it was there. Everybody's having so much fun. And a lot of the top curlers in the world were there. So if you're a curling fan, can you imagine you're you're walking into this place to have a glass of wine or have a beer, and at, oh, there's nicotine or there's there's whoever, right? They, they're they're all there. Well, geez, that's awful fun. And then the building, Robbie Doherty, uh, uh, silly Robbie. Robbie Doherty is the MC uh, at the slams. And man, is he good. So you've got a great MC. You've got terrific curling, of course. Uh, the ice was fantastic. The mm-hmm. building was electric. It'd be good to to make sure you get into a situation like that where you can see it up close and personal in a building like it was in Pictou County. I, I think he would change his mind.
0: Yeah, I've been to Briar Finals, man. And uh, I went to the gold medal game at the Olympics. Uh, I watched you win the gold medal, Kev. There was nothing like it like being in the building. I'm not so sure, Warren, this just might be a comment from the guy uh, rather than asking a question because he says, "I I can't offer any suggestions. It's just a better experience on TV.
3: Well, he makes some good points and this goes back to idea I had over 10 years ago. Again, I believe with the younger generation we have coming up, we've got to ensure that when people are in that building, they're engaged, engaged in as many ways as we can offer them. I believe there has to be an app developed. Once you get in the building, you go to the app, and the first thing you should have available to you is the radio frequency microphones on every sheet of ice. So you could turn to sheet A, B, C, or D to listen to whichever teams you wanted to. The other thing I think it needs to be done, and this goes back into the big arenas with the big jumbotron, you need to make sure that all the fans in the building can see on a television screen what's going on and what's taking place. So that combined with the app. Uh, if the building doesn't uh, provide that, and if we really want to make this into the entertainment product where we're going, you've got to put monitors uh, along the fr- fringe of the uh, of the arena so that they're all part of what's taking place from the television or video point of view. So they're engaged. I think with the app, you do many things. You can um, have the opportunity to ask people questions uh, if there's something happening on the ice that you'd like explained or numerous things that could be done with it. And I think the building's got to be alive and they have to be electric. There has to be a really good reason to go to the building. And uh, I think that's the challenge as we go ahead. If I look back in the days we were running those huge briars, Uh, we worked hard at making uh, the buildings fun and making lots of things going on. And I think that's what we have to head back to. I think the things Kevin said this past weekend, we're all good. We just have to grow all that and make people want to be in the building.
1: I think one of the major problems is, like at Sportsnet, the uh, the commentators are so good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You guys yeah. do a great job. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: You think, Rob, you think Rob Doherty's good, eh? You think Rob Doherty's good. Let me at him. Let me at him. <laughs> uh, no, Rob is great. Um,
3: as long as you aren't in the yeah, building, Jimmy's good. That's right, yeah.
0: I need the attention. Mm. Um, you know, you're onto something, Warren. I, You know, snooker is, is back and going again in Europe. It's a huge sport in Europe because of gambling. But every, every person who goes into the arena to watch it, they get a remote headset, like a little earpiece. And they get the, so you're hearing the commentators. Uh, So I I love what you're saying there, that you could just, you'd hook onto your phone, right? Weren't with an app, and then you could listen with an ear set.
3: I'm saying with an app, but yeah, there's, so if you go to the US Open in golf, they hand you a little, it used to be American Express did that, they hand you a little headset uh, when you walk through the door and it's on FM radio signal. TSN did that for a while as well. They put into the building on FM radio signal, the, the RF mics, but it was very difficult because it was not always an easy thing to do for various reasons. So the app is the answer, but uh, apps aren't cheap to develop. And of course we got, somebody's got to invest in doing but it. But it
0: would remarkably change the experience of being at the arena. If I can hear Mike Harris and Kevin Martin commentating, it would be unbelievable. So maybe you're right, Kev, it's the commentators. That's our hot rock topics. We got one more segment to go. Big show today, big show today. Uh, what are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. No referral needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. And I did it, by the way. And my hearing's good. What we are hearing after this weekend, there was a lot of chatter on social media about why one team in the winner's circle is from Korea and the other team was from Italy. Are, they, are these people whining now? because Canada didn't win.
3: Yeah, there's a fair and, amount of winning. And there yeah. was no Canada.
0: <laughs> why is there no Canada? Many people felt that the European and Asian teams are better funded than the Canadian teams, which is why they are doing so well. Kev, let her fly, baby. Let her fly.
1: Well, you know, this, this might open up an opportunity, because you're right. Uh, in Canada, the players, for the most part, have, sec- have first jobs or second jobs, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, which does make it difficult to, to Gee Hemming's point that they can't just practice all day every day because they have uh, another occupation going on. But, you know, this might open up the door to almost like a franchise situation in curling because there's an opportunity here for, for a big company where, you know, you, you could really get a lot of, of uh, marketing exposure if you were to hire the four players and put them into your corporation. It would be almost like, almost like a franchise situation. You could even turn it into a franchise situation, I suppose. But, um, and with that, that team would be employees of the company. When they're not curling, they can be working, they can be practicing. The company promotes the team, make sure that they're looked after, make sure that they can win. And by winning, the more and more they win, the the more and more the company benefits. and that way, kind of like a franchise, uh, and they could, you know, if the tr- team's having trouble, the company could could put in a, a general manager of their curling operation, or bring in a coach, or bring in whoever they want, because it's just part of the corporation. I was having a good chat to somebody about that, and I am sorry, I can't remember who it was um, that brought this up, and I, I really like the idea, it makes a lot of sense to me. Franchises in curling make a lot of sense as well. And this could be one kind of a stepping stone into that. And that would turn the financial part around so that the young players can curl, can be curlers, but they'd be part of a big company and they can also work as well. To start with, um, attracting a major corporation that would basically take over the operations of the team, but can help the team out financially, both with employment, which wouldn't be like the nine to five right. every day because that company is the one helping the team. So it's just a win-win for both sides. And this is uh, something that could easily be implemented, I think, in, in Canada because so many companies love the sport of curling and really enjoy our athletes. Right. So this may be a good opportunity for the younger players you know, uh, coming up.
0: I wouldn't be surprised, Warren, if pretty soon Maybe there, maybe there's a Canadian sponsor that's going to sponsor a Korean team. You're getting so good. <laughs>
3: How about Jim Jerome I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy a team. I'm going
0: to buy one of the teams. Okay, Warren, you get the last word,
3: as usual. Well, it's good points, I think, uh, have been made. I'm not so sure if there's that huge difference as far as what's happening. I, I think many of these teams that are in Europe and Asia that are playing full-time, they're not making a lot of money, they're making enough to get by, but they have decided to devote their lives to curling. In Canada, Sport Canada and Own the Podium, they put out a fair chunk of money towards Curling Canada, but I think it's spread pretty thin. I think they're funding, to some degree, six men's teams and six women's teams, or that was the way it used to be, and so it's spread across 12 teams rather than focusing maybe at about four. Um, I think the other thing in Canada that's different uh, our top teams, there's not many of them, but certainly three or four on the men's side, probably maybe three on the women's, they have a fair amount of money coming to them in sponsorship. And they do pretty well on that side of things. And to some degree, those would be the teams that are probably pulling in the most money in in the sport around the world. But there's only a few of them. There's not very many. So it's different in Canada. I think they take a, a little different outlook on it. Um, in some cases, our players are maybe a little older than some of the ones in other parts of the world, which all seems to impacted. But I think going forward, you know, if Canada's going to keep up, we're going to have to devote more time and energy, I think, towards being the best than we are today. And I think uh, lots of things are going to have to do it, go into that. And uh, Mr. Murdoch is going to have uh, some challenges ahead of him as, to far, as far as how he's going to make all that happen.
0: And God knows the people are watching Mr. Murdoch.
3: Oh, no yeah, kidding. kidding. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of comments. But, you know, certainly Canada is, isn't lacking talent, and, and certainly they're right there. I mean, the games that they're losing are by half an inch in some cases, so it's not as if Canada's being overpowered by anyone. But I think in the next few years, it's going to become uh, pretty challenging to win consistently for anybody. Yep.
0: Please give us your comments on the show. There, that was a big show today. Lots to digest, as usual. InsideCurling at gmail.com. That's InsideCurling at gmail.com. Now drop us an email and we'll uh, we'll start to read your emails on, on air. Uh, thank you to Rod Paulson, his company, In-House Strategies. Rod has been with us the whole way along, handling our Facebook group and our Facebook page. Uh, why don't you join and uh, join the conversation, as they say. Thank you to Jackpot City, Coyote, Hearing Life, and Goldline, who certainly make all of this possible. And we couldn't do it without you, the good listener, or my two buddies, Orrin Hanson and Kevin wasn't that nice? That was fellas? great no, Wasn't man. that nice? Yeah, thank you, Warren. <laughs> we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Inside Curling. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks, sure Thanks, Jimmy.